Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I am here right now in the beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, with a, a new and very important teacher of mine, Natalie Goldberg, author of Writing Down the Bones and many other wonderful books, uh, mostly about the art of writing, the practice of writing. And I've, I've been really reflecting while I've been here on the quality and the importance of silence. This week's Parsha is called Emor, which means say or speak. And in the Torah, we have so many times where there's instructions to speak, to say, to use words, to use language, to communicate. And yet we also know in our tradition, there's a rich tradition of silence. In fact, there's a very powerful teaching in Pirkei Avot, which we are studying in this period between Passover and Shavuot, where Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, I was raised my whole life among sages, and there is no greater quality that I experienced than silence, than shtika. And so silence is obviously very, very important across spiritual traditions. And so we're just going to have a little bit of a, of a conversation with Natalie Goldberg um, on this uh, writing workshop. And first of all, just it's, thank you so much for your, the generosity of your time and just being here for a little while and for all of you that you've given to so many people who are exploring the, the practice of writing. I should just say, uh, Natalie, as well as being a writer, has had a very, very long tradition within the, the Zen Buddhist uh, tradition and has been a practitioner of, of meditation for a long time. So Really, it's the only thing I'm teaching. I'm teaching Zen through writing. So it's not separate. We're doing Zen. And of course, like all good Buddhists, Natalie is, is Jewish by, <laughs> by birth. <laughs> but uh, we're doing Zen by writing. You say it's a little bit more about what you mean by that. Well, um, writing is a practice. Like sitting, you sit for 40 minutes or a half hour. So you write, you keep your hand moving. And it's just a practice, another way to have a relationship with your mind and let go of your mind. A relationship with your mind and letting go of your mind. Do those things happen at the same time? Yeah, simultaneously, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky, which is very opposite from, I think, Judaism, which is a lot about thinking and, and um, you know, rolling over and digesting thoughts, whereas Zen, I think, aims more for the emptiness. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are... As, as you know, there are mystical forms of Judaism, Hasidism and Kabbalah that really do yearn for that emptiness in the same way. It's called a bitul. Like, yes. So that, that, that is very similar, actually, that I, concept. I do know that in my head, but I've never experienced it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely mainstream Jewish practice is, is a lot about studying text and interpreting text and analyzing text. And, and one of the things I like when you... When we study books together, you, it's about you, you use the phrase over and over again. It's about studying the mind, but not not going into our own kind of stories about it. Just being with what is, right? Yeah, meeting the mind of the writer. But let, let's let's focus in a little bit about this the, the idea of silence, because you you have written about and spoken about silence, which of course is 
ironic because silence is really only something you can experience. But we are going to talk about silence yeah. as a practice. So what is it about silence that's so important? Well, I've written about it a lot, it's true. Um, it's, it's, first of all, it's just a relief, frankly, in the constant talking world. I'm talking now on a very mundane level that I don't know about other countries, but Americans don't know how to shut up. Including some outside this door, which uh, listeners may be able to hear because there's talking everywhere. Yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and what happens is you don't get to experience yourself, your surroundings, and really the person you're listening to. And part of silence is learning to listen. When it's silence, it isn't dead. The earth and everything around you is alive. And actually in Zen, sentient beings aren't just human beings or animals. It's this table, this chair, everything is alive. And we're cut off from it because we don't stop talking. And it's a way, and Zen is very much about intimacy. And I think there's such great loneliness in our country. And part of the loneliness is we don't shut up. So we don't get to actually have intimacy or be touched or touch someone. Well, that's, that's very, but I haven't, I've heard you say a lot of things, but I haven't actually heard you say that because it's so true. We sometimes think that in order to be intimate with somebody, you have to be talking all the time. Yeah. But perhaps the and most intimate. And tell them your whole life right. story, which actually pushes people away. Right. So real intimacy can come much more deeply in silence. Yeah, and when we don't talk in a retreat, when it's a silent retreat, we're much closer with each other. We really feel each other, and we have an intimacy with each other. That we, I, The bonds I feel with people who I sat in a silent retreat are much deeper usually than when someone tells me their whole life story. Right. And you've spoken like... In, is it in The Secret Art of Writing? That, that, this, that power, the True the, Secret the, of Writing. The true, the true Secret of Writing, one of, your, one of your books that I've read. That's actually my legacy book. Right. And in there I talk about silence. There's yeah. a whole chapter, I mean a short chapter, but a beautiful and very deep chapter about silence. And one yeah. of the things that you talk about is, is being with people on like hiking in, in silence and, and how that's such a... a, a you can be with people, but you don't have to feel like you take the pressure off. Yeah, we even make it a rule. Um, you, you're silent going, and then when we get where we're going, we sit for a half hour, and then we can talk on the way back. Mm. And the talk comes from a much deeper place yeah. because we've been connected to ourselves. So I can't, I can't hike with people who talk <laughs> because I'm, I'm hiking in nature for a reason. I want to be in nature and share that with someone, not share their story about being in the dentist's office. <laughs> there were some other, I, I'm forgetting the specifics of the language, but there are some other phrases that you, that you use to describe the quality of silence in that passage that were... Well, um, I think one of the things I said is a writer particularly needs to know about silence because what's the other side of words? No words. And it's not that you should suddenly become silent and muffle yourself forever, but it's a, able to roll, be able to move back and forth. 
and to have a conversation with someone. And a conversation means you talk, I respond, you listen to me, I listen to you, and it goes back and forth. Hmm. Whereas in our country, what I've experienced is people just vomit up at you. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, especially in New York, right? Well, I'm, I don't live in New York. <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah, I haven't Please. lived in New York in 50 years. Oh, honey, I could find it in Santa Fe. Of course you could. Yeah. You couldn't find it anywhere. Anywhere. I want to repeat that phrase because it's so important. Beyond words is no word. No. Yeah. The other side. Beyond words are no words. The other side of words is silence. The other side of of words. And you need to know that it needs. It doesn't have to be frozen either way. Our country, most people are frozen on the side of talking, and you know you hear it in politicians. I don't trust politicians who are yap, 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 and there's no space in what they say. Mm -hmm. So, as you said at the beginning, you're really teaching Zen practice, but it happened. I mean, people here, we're all here thinking that we're writers or knowing that we're writers, but it's really, it could be anything. You could be, I mean, you know, the classic book, of course, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, but we could be studying anything. We could be shopping in the grocery store. Yeah. And um, but I'm out with it now. When writing down the bones came out in '86, I had to be a little quiet about it. But it was obvious anyone who knew anything about Zen and why did it reach so deeply. There are so many books on writing after bones came out, and they don't understand why theirs didn't take off like writing down the bones. Well, because mine. It was about something else. It was as so it hit at a deeper level. About writing as a practice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, something that's so striking to me because this is a second, the second um, workshop retreat I've done with you, and in the, on the first one, uh, most of our meals were were silent, and here we're we're silent at breakfast. But I'm not. I don't eat breakfast, so I'm not. I don't experience it. But uh, the lunches are not silent, and I'm actually. I'm finding that really hard. I don't. I don't feel like. I, I feel there's something very powerful about being with people in a community setting, eating together, but not feeling like we have to make chit chat while yeah. we're eating. It's no phenomena. Silence has been going on in this country, even even in this country, for at least twenty years. I would like Jews to catch on to it. Frankly, I love Judaism. I love being a Jew. I'm very proud of it. And as I get older, the more I would like to just be a Jew. But anytime around Jews, they just don't shut up. <laughs> I know that sounds like a terrible generalization. Um, in 1988, I think I was practicing with my Japanese Zen master who I practiced with for 12 years. And I went to a retreat and I had a one-to-one with him. And I said, you know, the more I sit, the more Jewish I'm feeling. And he said, well, that makes sense because the more you sit, the more you become who you are. And he said, why don't you leave here and go study Judaism? So I said, okay, because I always did what he said. And I didn't didn't have any religious upbringing. We were just very proud Jews. And um, I, I met with rabbi after rabbi and they just didn't shut up. And they not only didn't shut up, they immediately put down Zen. 
And it was, I couldn't find any stronghold. So I went to Israel and I, I lived in Israel, in Jerusalem. And I naively went to religious Jews and I said, I'd like to find a practice here. And what they said to me is, we'll get married and have children. And I said, well, I don't think I'm gonna do that. What else can I do? Get married and have children. And that's what they just kept repeating. So of course, I gave up. But I know there's wonderful things in Judaism. That's so heartbreaking to hear. I didn't know that part of your story. Yeah. And it's I feel, that, I mean, the, the thing that I think you, you may or may not be aware of is that there are so many uh, Jewish meditation organizations now. I mean, I, I'm a fellow of this program called the IJS Institute of Jewish Spirituality, which is over two years, four five-day silent retreats with yoga and meditation, mindfulness practice. And I, I mean, and that's one of, you know, half a dozen organizations that are really looking at finding that place of quiet within Jewish practice. It is there, but I... I can completely acknowledge that at the time that you were looking, it probably wasn't, or it was a lot harder to find. Yeah, and also I'm in a tradition now that has been doing meditation for 2,000 years. They're not looking at how to do it. They, well, you know, but some so, of these people would argue that Jews have actually been practicing it for 2,000 years too. It just got lost, Yeah, especially, po especially post-Holocaust. Yeah. I, I admit I'm totally ignorant. I have gone for a week to sit on the rail, the tracks at Auschwitz. And I've done that. With but Zen peacemakers. Yeah, yeah, with the Zen peacemakers. And I hung out with a rabbi. So certainly when I was there, I wanted mm. to be with a rabbi. And it was wonderful. Yeah. It was wonderful. And I, when I lived at Lama Foundation, I was with Rabbi Zalman Schachter yeah. for probably two weeks. We just hung out. We did yeah. mikvah. You know, it was wonderful. But I couldn't really... I wanted to go all the way, and mm. I couldn't find it. Mm. But of course, I'm, I looked maybe in the wrong places. Well, I mean, I think it was harder to, yeah. to find. There wasn't as much. But I mean, Reb Zalman has done an enormous amount in this area. You know, he's, yes. as you know, has been a, a very, very important teacher for yeah. me. Yeah, I, I, it would be fun for you to read Long Quiet Highway that I wrote, because it has that in there about Zalman and about looking for Judaism. And actually, Katagiri said to me, go and study Judaism. He said, when you get to the heart of it, you'll find Zen. Hmm. And it really did help me. I could find Zen in the heart of Catholicism. It's there every place. Zen isn't a religion. And I think that the way that you bring it is is so I've so appreciated it it's very some of what you were sharing yesterday while we were doing walking meditation you said let's see if I can get this right you said walking is a practice for writing and writing is a practice for walking and walking is a practice for sitting and sitting is a practice for lying down yeah is that yeah pretty much what you said pretty much yeah I I'd never said that before you know but it's all it's all the same, you know, it is the same and it isn't. Yeah. You know, and, for But it really reminded, because in the, in the first uh, paragraph of, of the Shema, the Via Hafta, which a lot of Jewish people are, are very familiar with, it says, and you, and you will, when you're walking along the way, when you lie down at night, when you wake up in the morning, these things will be with you. It's talking about words of Torah, but really it's talking about that kind of consciousness. I think it's the same idea that from the moment we 
are aware of being awake until the moment we we surrender to sleep we're in that framework of just consciousness and we're which, in there and sleep too it's true yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean in jewish tradition there's this idea that part of our soul actually leaves us when we when we sleep and it comes back to us renewed in in the morning that's a whole oh. kind of mystical idea but yeah the rabbis talk about well i you know i'm gonna just say again that um this powerful teaching and i'm going to actually read it in the hebrew because it's so powerful from Pirkei Avot, which is a section of Mishnah that has six chapters, and our tradition is to look at it during the, the weeks between Pesach and Shavuot, which we're in right now. And this says, Shimon Beno, so this is Shimon ben Gamliel, Omer, he says, Kol yamai gadalti ben hachamim. All of my days I was raised among the sages, the hachamim. Lo matsati leguf tov. Mishtika, and I found nothing better, no more admirable quality than the quality of silence, of shtika. Emor, say, the instruction at the beginning of this parsha is, is say, speak, give the, give the, the Kohanim, the priests, these instructions, how to do this, how to do that. But as Natalie said so beautifully, uh, the other side of words is no words. So, what in our Torah are those white spaces between the black letters, the places of silence, the places of, of, of beyond words, um, the instructions that are not that are not communicated verbally? And I think um, I feel like Natalie has, has has charged me and perhaps charged all of us as Jews, especially to to look for the for that the the place beyond beyond words, to find rich practice in community that doesn't involve. Speaking, 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 talking, talking, talking. Is there any other final thoughts before yeah. I let you? Yes, there is. When you said <clears throat> charging the Jewish community to find that silence, it's also a chance to rest inside yourself. Just rest. It's really a relief. Yeah. It is a relief. Yeah. It is a relief. And, uh, and, in those those times when we sit together, the times when you reveal the deeper secrets, which are only available to the people who are there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Natalie, thank for, you. for this conversation and for, for really everything that you do and for, for being one of my newest teachers. And I really appreciate it. And I look it's forward to... It's a to pleasure more. to have you. really is. Thank I feel you. honored to have a rabbi in the class. Thank you. And I would say if this wasn't a, a podcast that you're just listening to, we would now just sit for 10 minutes. So uh, as the podcast finishes, uh, I invite you rather than just, if you've been listening to it this far, rather than just rushing on to your next thing, maybe just, just, just sit for a few minutes and just uh, let it soak in into the space beyond words. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush, we will see you next time.